look into regulations, look into every kind of minute detail that you can think of, because at the end of the day, you're buying a business and you got to run that business and figure out like what you would need to operate. Welcome to the Franchise Friend Podcast, where we bring you an exclusive peek into the world of franchise ownership. All right, I'm here with uh, Patrick with uh, Kiddo Kinetics based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, Patrick, thanks for joining me today, man. I, I appreciate uh, you jumping on the Franchise Friend Podcast. Sure, anytime. Glad to be here. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, I um, really the goal of this podcast is to help people understand, you know, and, and really identify with people who have, you know, taken this leap. So um, if you could tell us a little bit about your background, what attracted you to, to, to going after the franchising? Uh, sure. Industry? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in the corporate world for you know, the first 15 plus years of my life. Um, I enjoyed it, enjoyed the challenge. But at, at some point, you know, you, you always have that nag in the back of your mind about uh, I want to be able to do my own thing. Uh, want to be able to to step out of my comfort zone. Uh, my wife actually was staying home with the kids the last seven years, and she was an educator um, and big into physical fitness. So it actually started out with her looking to get back in the workforce, and we found Kiddo Kinetics, and it started going well. And we had an opportunity to expand um, our franchise territory. And so after you know kicking it back and forth, I decided to make the jump and. And go all in um, and do it. So it's it's been a blast and just unbelievably fun so far. Um, it's been about eight months now. So, so um, you, you kind of mentioned, you know, uh, you transitioned out of your your corporate career. Where what, what was the crossroads there, and what did that look like? And how you know how did you categorize that decision and compartmentalize it really to be like, okay, this is the right direction to go for us and our family? Yeah. What was so that I mean, it's tough. It, it kind of came down to I was wearing myself thin, rushing home every day to try to get to my kids' practices, um, you know, traveling globally, traveling domestically, um, starting to see the pattern of missing things. It was one thing, you know, when you miss them when they're three and four years old, but once they get to seven, eight, nine, and you're seeing them grow even more and you feel like you want to be part of it, you know, I was taking a hard look at the time I was spending working and dedicating my time for someone else basically to make money versus myself. So I started to look in terms of what my life would look like stepping away and kind of taking my time back and being able to be around more frequently with my family and get to enjoy and do the things I want to do with them. There's no point in you know working and having money if you can't enjoy it and have life. So uh, so during our first conversation, and for those who are listening, Patrick and I uh, had recorded this previously and have some technical issues. But our first take conversation, you, yeah, just take two. You had a you had a really uh, great quote from a, a movie of yours. Do you remember that? And yeah, uh, so it was uh, one of my favorite scenes of any movie is in um, The Dark Knight Rises. I believe that's the right Batman movie, but it's when. Um, Batman gets his back broken and he goes into the prison down in the well and he's continuing to try to climb the stairs and jump and get out to escape. And every time he tries, he has this rope tied around his waist and he can't make the jump. And uh, 
finally a, a guy down on the bottom, one of the prisoners says to him, you know, one person's only ever made that jump and they did it without the rope. So Batman looks kind of panicked and he <laughs> goes without the rope, makes the big jump and makes it. And as the second person to escape. So it's kind of the moral of stories. You got to cut the rope and take the big jump. Um, you know, if you try to do it constantly with a safety net or constantly worried about replacing your income or all the, all the things you think about, you know, they're a big, tough decision, but at some point, you know, you got to make the jump. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, what specific challenges have you had, you know, along the way, um, with, with maybe just franchise in general, not necessarily specific to kiddo kinetics, but sure. you know, was there any surprises or any challenges that, uh, you could kind of offer some perspective for the listeners? Yeah, I would say some challenges we've had. If I think about the timeline of, of getting to this point, first, it was specific to making the jump. You know, you're, you're leaving a, a, a job where someone's paying you a salary, you know, every two weeks that, you know, that paycheck's going to hit your bank account. You're most likely have a subsidized um, healthcare program. Um, so it's tough to take those aspects and make it an unknown, basically. So going through that process, finding someone you're comfortable with to help navigate you through the healthcare piece, I think was a big deal for us. And then once we got there, it was super helpful. Um, the other piece is, you know, you, you kind of have to be willing to build the plane while you fly it. Um, you s- start with setting up your own company, whether it be an LLC, an S-Core, however you want to do it. And then as you're going, you're going to have hiccups because there's going to be things that someone asks you for that you didn't do. And you've got to quickly pivot, get it done, whether that's a filing, um, a certain tax paperwork with the state or a licensing you need or certain background checks or registrations with a certain entity, it all comes up and it's very challenging and you have to be flexible with it and willing to pivot and get those things done. Um, so yes. it's a, it's a big learning experience. And as we've created or branched out with other franchises and other locations, same franchise, other locations, you know those steps and you know, and it's a quick learning experience and it makes everything else a lot more seamless. Yeah. So um, I think you uh, said that there was something around like, you know, you had to be, um, you had to kind of register with some, some entity or something before you're able to kind of offer these, uh, these classes and stuff after school. Is that right? Mm -hmm. In Atlanta? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. So one example um, where we operate primarily in, um, child care agencies, whether it be a preschool or daycare or even a private school. And so the state of Georgia has um, this thing called decal koala and bright from the start. And it's, you have to get your coach or your employee registered through the state and background check through the state. And then once they have that done, it, they can easily port their background check between different um, schools. And we didn't have that done. We go to coach our first one and, you know, they say to my wife, Hey, where's your bright from the start background check? And all of a sudden my phone rings won't work. She's like, Hey, what's the bright from the start background check? I don't know. <laughs> so we contact, we contact the, uh, uh, the franchise and it's a state specific regulation. They're based out of Florida. So it was an example of us having to start Googling, get it done. And yep. then as we've gone into other states, each state's different, but you know, you need to look for that 
piece of the process and, and get it done. Yeah. Always like, uh, you know, share with people like each franchise, each business, whatever it might be, you know, there's like a puzzle that you kind of have to put together, you yeah. know, along the yeah. way, just like they build a, a plane way. Fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think a lot of concerns that people have with getting into franchising, you know, obviously failure is one, but, you know, they always kind of create roadblocks. And I think the roadblock of, you know, the labor force, people like to kind of lean on that one. What have yeah. you experienced with the labor force, you know, and, and, and bringing on people? And could you share any tidbits for, for anyone who's, who's looking at getting into franchising and, and looking mm-hmm. at the labor force? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a great question. That was one of the big unknowns, you know, um, especially for us, we're needing part-time labor, which the majority of franchises do. It's hard to bring you know, someone on a salary. So for us and the labor market, what we've done, um, Emily, my wife is really good about screening people and looking for the right qualities. And I, I completely dislike the hiring process. I hate it. Um, I didn't like it in the corporate world. I don't like it now. It's just a lot of time spent. Um, so with that, I would make sure you do that upfront, upfront time, even though it's a pain and find good people that you know have the right attitude. And then as long as they have the right attitude, then they're typically flexible with you and willing to learn and do things your way. And then once you find the people you like, essentially they're making money for you. So incentivize them and keep them happy. I think the the power of a good employee and someone who's potentially driving revenue to give them incentives um, for as an example, uh, so a couple of our directors, we give them a share of revenue, um, and I've told people that off the bat uh, that are other franchise owners, and they're kind of like shocked, like why would you give up a piece of the revenue? And it's like, well, if I grow, they should grow as well, and they should forever be tied to it and want to continue to grow. Um, so one of the franchises we purchased, their um, employee really wasn't. Um, incentivized. So she kind of got the business to a certain point and then was just happy running it there. So they never were able to take those additional steps. Um, and with that and employees, you know, they're depending on your franchise, they're typically your capacity. So uh, I'm of the mindset that you you always want to have 20% more capacity than you're actually using. So kind of always having a stable and a pipeline of people willing to work makes that yeah initial need a lot better. So you're never behind the eight ball and scrambling to find people. It allows you to hire better people through the process. Right. Yeah. You don't want to be stuck having to sit here and hire a bad hire and then just kind of doing the same yeah. thing over and over and over again. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a, there's, it's one of those things that has an immense amount of hidden costs. You know, if, if you, sure, yeah. if you yourself are spending 10 hours a week screening resumes, trying to hire somebody. I mean, that's 10 hours you could be using of your time doing either driving your business, spending with your family, just having fun doing something else, you know, (laughs) and to repeat that process every month or two, it'll wear you out. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it also allows you to grow, right, and feel comfortable mm-hmm. with with growing. And so, I think uh, this is something. You know, in the, the past eight months, you've kind of gone from a single unit owner to a multi-state, multi-unit owner. Um, yep. What was what's your thought process behind that? Um, thought process behind that is, you know, we in Atlanta where we're operating our our owner operator franchise. It's going well. Um, we found the right way to do things to make the growth happen. 
Uh, so we've experienced some better growth than others within the franchise system. So it's almost like taking the roadmap we've adapted that we were given by the franchise and then putting that model in other states. Um, and once you kind of do it yourself, you've got the opportunity and the tools to better coach and guide somebody. I think if we were to have set up the Atlanta uh, franchise and as a passive model, um, hired someone to run it and we didn't do it ourselves, we would have had way slower onboarding execution and even growth in the other states. So I, I think it's really important to understand just the ground level work that needs to be done. And it helps when you get a phone call, you can quickly answer a question. Um, and it results in a lot cleaner, I guess, execution and better success. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think uh, whenever I was, uh, I had my franchises and I was multi-states, you know, like I think a lot of times it can, people think like, okay, you're just looking to make more money, whatever it might be, but it also offers a career path for the employees that you currently have, mm-hmm. you know, where maybe they want to grow with you. Is, uh, is that kind of also some, some of the thoughts that you, have, you might have with going yeah, bigger? Absolutely. Yeah. So right now I'm operating the three independently. Um, they're not tied together and in, in one company yet. Um, something I've talked to my CPA about. Uh, but definitely like one of our best employees here were her first job out of college. She was a sports management major. Um, we just promoted her to assistant director. Um, you know, if she continues on the career path, there's opportunity for her to manage another one of the other locations, um, whether it be remotely in a, as a director level um, or potentially to move if she likes. So having those opportunities allows you to create kind of your own mini version of what you came from in a corporate standpoint. Right. Yep. Do you see yourself uh, being a Kiddo Kinetics single franchisee or do you see yourself kind of growing into different brands? Where do you kind of envision? Um, yeah, something I think about uh, actually rather frequently. Um, first <laughs> thing, I got to get more cash flow positive on the three franchises. And they've all basically launched within the last 12 months. But um, I think I'm going to, I guess it depends on opportunity and what comes up. If if there's other opportunities with Kiddo Kinetics that suit what we need and are a good market, and maybe are already off the ground or a good opportunity could potentially continue to expand. I'm also evaluating um, other franchises just uh, kind of on the side as I look, nothing too deep, but wanting to potentially diversify. Um, You know, I'm always reading industry reports, regulations. There's a lot of COVID relief um, dollars that expire coming up for um, childcare industry. So, having a diversified brand of franchises is certainly something that interests me. Um, don't know what that industry is yet. Right. Um, yeah. I like, I enjoy the, the kiddo kinetics is, you know, it was said to me by our, our franchise broker, but there's the hunter model and the gatherer model. Um, and kiddo kinetics is the hunter model. You got to go get the business. You got to contact schools, kind of do the old school selling. Um, which typically results in not having a build out and not a lot of upfront costs. So the second one, it may look more towards a gatherer model that could potentially be um, a brand that's there that people can come to and that's managed more centrally, but again, expanding and always looking for opportunities. Yeah. Well, you'll probably feel a little bit more comfortable going into the 
second one now that you've done, you know, yeah. done it and you leap once, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing about it too is I we've while we were we launched the Atlanta franchise, I didn't expect this may come out odd, but like I didn't expect to be as involved in talking to so many parents and so involved in the community with it. I thought it was more, you know, just getting schools on board and then we're a provider, but there's been so much more interaction and so many parents that like I'll wear my kiddo kinetics hat to my daughter's soccer game. Yeah. And people will come up to us and say, Oh, my kid's in that class. So from the community standpoint, if you had an anchor as another franchise there, you've already kind of established your, your kind of like following our customer base that knows you. And it's way easier to, to continue to be involved in the community and be a small business. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I share that with people all the time too, where like, you know, they think about investing in these brands, especially, you know, like something that may not be brick and mortar, you know, and it could be like, uh, you know, whatever it could be roofing or flooring or garage doors or even mm -hmm. after, after school kick air. And I'm like, you have to put your arms around the brand, you know, like you have to be the brand, like whether you're there teaching or not, it doesn't matter wearing the hat. And being an advocate for that brand is going to be yeah. what catapults you to the next level. So you can't be semi absentee. You don't have a sign on the door or on the building right. that's showing people where Kiddo Kinetics is, right? Yeah. You have to be an advocate for that brand and, and, and network. So, um, and, I, yeah. The, yeah well, I was going to say, but to add on to that, um, you know, unless you're opening a Dunkin' Donuts or a Domino's where it's a large national brand, everybody knows it's a franchise. Really, no one knows the franchise till you tell them. Um, so, like, yeah. I wear the kiddo kinetics hat, and you know, like a parent at my oldest daughter's lacrosse team, parent, we're just chatting. We'll say, "Oh, what's kiddo kinetics?" Say, "Oh, it's a company we have." Explain what they do, and then they'll ask questions, and then the franchise piece will come up and say, "Oh, it's a franchise." So, even though you may feel like you're wearing someone else's brand, I, mean, I would say eighty percent of the people you talk to don't know it's a franchise. Um, while you're running it and operating it. So yeah. it, it's kind of like a little piece of yourself as well that you get to share. And then it dealt, once you say franchising, I think everyone then goes down this deep rabbit hole of asking you all the same questions, <laughs> which are fun to, fun to answer. Cause everybody wants like, there's a little piece of everybody that wants to do it, you know, and they start asking all the questions and you get all the same kind of reservation type questions, like why people don't want to do it. And you answer them and you start to see their eyes kind of like, Oh, well, I could do it. It's kind of not, yeah. a, not a gargantuan task. Sure. Well, I guess uh, chat a little bit about that, about, you know, how have you managed, you know, running a business with your wife, being able to kind of separate that from your everyday life and keeping that healthy, like a good, healthy work life balance. What's that been yeah. like? So the, my wife and I have, have different skill sets. She's more educator, teacher, um, type person, really enjoys working with the kids. Not that I don't, but really enjoys working with the kids, managing the coaches, doing the programming. I'm definitely more business mindset, um, business development, financial, uh, driven. So our skill sets balance out, you know, if there's things that need to be done, that's more towards our programming curriculum, working with an existing school, she kind of handles it. Um, if it's more new business, uh, banking issues, uh, state regulation, anything like that, I handle it. And so that helps us tremendously. 
Yeah. Um, the other thing from managing a time standpoint, I mean, you get to wake up each day and kind of make your own plan, which is awesome. You know, you don't have an eight o'clock meeting. You have to rush to the office too. And one of the ways I've best found to manage that is you kind of find the windows within the day that are the best to do certain things, if that makes sense. So like using our schools for an example, um, if you take a, a standard Tuesday, right in the morning, the directors and teachers are all focused on getting the kids into the school, getting them into the class, getting um, drop off done. So they're pretty much tied up and it's a little frantic until about nine o'clock. And then up until about 1145, you know, they have some time and then 1145 to about one thirty, it's got to feed the kids, got to get them down for naps. So then from one thirty to about three thirty, there's another window. Then after three thirty, it's pickup time and it's like haywire again, parents coming in, yeah. getting the kids out the door, making sure it's the right person. Right. So that really leaves you a couple good windows from a sales standpoint that, you know, if you try to make a phone call during one of those windows, there's a better chance that you're going to have them pick up. Right. So right. I've started to manage my time around those windows if I need sales and then outside those windows if I need to get other stuff done. So you get right. to kind of figure out a groove and create your own path each day to how to optimize it. And it certainly helps a ton. Again, kind of going back to that puzzle, figuring out the puzzle, right? Like you may not have known that yeah. going in now that you've no. kind of, you know, now that you've figured out, okay, like this is what I need to do. And this lever makes this happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's very cool. Um, so, you know, what, what would you say you're kind of most proud of accomplishing so far? You know, what's, what's been your most uh, proud moment? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I would say the, the most proud moment I have is I think whenever my wife and I are talking to somebody and they say, Oh, you have your own business, you have a franchise. And we say, yeah, Atlanta and then, and Charlotte, North Carolina, and now Memphis. And you kind of people like, wow, you have it in three different States. So it kind of, that piece to speak to makes you really proud, but also knowing that you took a chance and it's, I think, Jumping into owning my own business is something I always wanted to do. And if I worked for corporations, you know, until I was 65 and retired, you know, I probably would have been very comfortable. And for the next 25 years of my life would have done pretty well. However, I think I always would have had that piece in the back of my mind saying, you know, damn, I missed out on so much time with my kids when I was traveling so much time yeah. being in office, missing this game that I'm proud of like where I get to be with my family in the next 20 plus years. Um, it's, it's hard to describe. And one question I always get asked when, you know, you talk to other folks about franchising is the question they ask is how quickly did you replace your income or have you replaced your income yet? And yeah. that's the way I thought about things, you know, you're do, you're trying to do the break even analysis, you're got 5000 different lines on paper, you're trying to handwrite <laughs> it and make it work and do all these things and it kind of goes back to the the Batman reference, but 
it's hard to, that's the way I was looking at it, right? But it's hard to quantify the amount of time you get back. And it's, it's no longer about replacing your previous income. It's more about replacing the time that you were given up that you now have to yourself and your family. It's invaluable. That's great. I love that perspective because that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what it's given me. You know, it's like always kind of joke with people. It's like, you know, I, I like to play golf. I'm like, what would I do if I made like a lot more money? Well, I'd probably just play more golf and yeah, I would too. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, you know, so it's like, you know, so it really starts to put things in perspective. Like, you know, it, yeah. it's just really time that we want, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, cause we're going to yeah, do the same things with our free time, whether we have a lot of money in our bank account or whether we don't have that much money, we still are going to spend our free time doing mm-hmm. the things that we love. And so really it's about what can I do? That's going to allow me to take control of my own destiny, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I um, yeah. I follow Jesse Itzler, who's an entrepreneur. Um, one of the things he said um, was that he he let me get this right. So his relationship with money has changed. It used to be how can I make as much money as possible, and it's flipped to a better perspective of how much money do I need to live the lifestyle I want. And I'm happy and enjoy. And he said that changing that relationship perspective has, you know, given him a lot more freedom. That makes sense. Well, so from uh, my my last question for you today, and again, Patrick, thanks for jumping on again with me, but you know, please uh, share with me um, what advice would you give to someone who's looking into franchising, who's looking to make the leap, you know, um, what, what advice would you give them who, uh, where they're at that crossroads right now? Yeah, I would say interview, the franchise or as much as they're interviewing you and make sure that they're, they're never going to do your job for you or run your business for you, but make sure they're committed to support because they're really there for support, not to grow your business, not to do anything like that. And in that process, do your research. So talk to other franchise owners um, and, in all transparency, they'll probably give you references that they know are going to give the right answers that they want to be given. So ask them, ask the franchise owners you talk to for some other people to talk to that may have not been recommended by the franchisor. Um, And then in doing your research as well, you know, look into regulations, look into every kind of minute detail that you can think of, because at the end of the day, you're buying a business and you got to run that business. And figure out like what you would need to operate. So let's say you're going to get a garage door or a garage flooring type um, franchise. Go ask your neighbor who has a garage door. Say, hey, look, I'm thinking about opening this franchise. I want to come in and redo your garage floor. What would you expect from me? And kind of get the voice of the consumer and... It helps you understand, like, are those the questions I want to answer when I open a franchise? And are those the problems I want to deal with? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Great perspective. Well, thanks again, Patrick, for joining me today. Yeah, I really you. appreciate your insight. And uh, congratulations on your success this far. I can't wait to uh, see Kiddo Kinetics uh, across the Southeast. It's awesome. Hopefully so. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks. Bye.